For 2019 thus far, emerging markets as a whole are up just over 10.5%, going some way, I think, to offset what was a very difficult environment during the course of 2018. The asset class has, however, given very mediocre returns over the five years to the end of June when compared to global developed markets. Joining me to discuss the first half of uh, 2019, as well as the outlook for emerging markets and also to unpack how our own emerging market strategy has performed during this period is investment analyst Lisa Harkman. Welcome, Lisa, and thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, Kirshni. It's good to be here. Let's start by just looking at our strategy, which has had a really remarkable return against the emerging market peer group and index year to date. Can you maybe talk me through just some of the drivers of the return that we've seen over the first half of this year? So you're right. As you said, year to date emerging markets are up more than 10%. This is largely due to a reversal of the correction we saw in November and December of late last year, as well as better sentiment generally. We're seeing a number of central banks indicating willingness to add additional stimulus to the markets, and that's providing a much more positive sentiment. And as a result, we've seen some reversal of that correction we saw. And just talk about our own portfolio. So we know that the sentiment's been positive, but uh, we've got a number of our own holdings. Our portfolio looks very different to the index as a whole. A number of our holdings have come through very strongly. Do you want to talk through just which ones were successful and and why? As you say, our strategy has delivered very strong alpha year-to-date. The market has returned 10.6%, while our strategy has delivered 29.8%, representing 19.2% alpha. These returns are grosser fees. The main contributors are Wuliangi, New Oriental, Adidas, JD and Airbus. Of these holdings, only JD.com and New Oriental were actually detractors in 2018. And the impact from New Oriental in the previous year was very small. And so the only real stock out of those five that is a reversal of prior year underperformance was JD.com. Wuli Yangi is the largest contributor, and that's a relatively new purchase. We began buying shares for the first time in November 2018, and the stock has doubled since then. So that's been an excellent holding for us. Adidas and Airbus, which are two of this year's top contributors, were actually our two top contributors in 2018 as well. And both have continued to deliver on our investment case and the shares have continued to rise. And these have been great buys for us. JD.com, as I said, was one of the largest attractors last year. Margins compressed beyond what the market was expecting and the share declined quite significantly. In Q1, the results showed an expansion of margins again, and hence the share reversed some of the losses that we saw in 2018. But we still believe that the share has got a long way to go, and we're still optimistic holders of the share. Maybe let's just talk uh, quickly on Willyangi. Still, are we still holding it in the portfolio? What have we done with it? You said it's double since purchase. What, if any, actions has that necessitated on our, on our side? We have reduced the holding somewhat. Um, there's another competitor that's looking relatively more attractive. It's called um, Jiangsu Yanghe. It's also in the Baiju industry. Um, it's a smaller a smaller Baiju producer. It's also got some mass market products rather than ultra premium like Wuliangi. Uh, it's got large management ownership as opposed to being a state-owned entity. So it does have that additional feature that we like. 
And so as a result, we have reduced Wu Liang a bit and we've increased our exposure to Jiangsu, which is one of its main competitors. But we continue to hold Wu Liang We believe that there's still a fair amount of upside left. It continues to deliver on the investment strategy and revenue growth remains strong. So Lisa, just to clarify for, for listeners who may not know um, what Baiju is, can you enlighten us? Baiju is the most consumed spirit globally. It's a white spirit. Um, it's produced out of five different grains, and it's primarily consumed in China. It's a spirit that they generally serve at banquets, at farewells, at any kind of celebratory occasion. And essentially, the baiju that you serve at this occasion is indicative of your status. And so the status that you wish to project is how much you're willing to spend on the baiju. And so at the moment, premium baiju is doing extremely well because of the rising wealth trends in China. And the stock is obviously capitalizing on those trends. And talking about the rest of the portfolio, are there any other significant changes that you've made to the portfolio in recent months? Yes, it's been a very volatile environment for emerging markets and we've seen some quite large price movements and as a result it's been a fairly active period for for the strategy. We reduced our exposure to some of the Brazilian education companies, especially Croton and Estacio. Their share prices are up 40% and 35% year to date respectively. We also exited our positions in Yes Bank and India Bulls in India. With regards to yes, we believe that an extremely dilutive rights issue was on the cards and from a risk-reward point of view, we, we believed that we were better off exiting. It turned out that that was the right move. And with India Bulls, it was a smaller position at the time, but we became concerned that their business model was actually structurally flawed during this period while the wholesale markets were closed to them. And as a result, we actually exited that position as well. We used this, uh, the proceeds from these sales to invest in four small new buys, being Tata Consultancy Services, Hero Motor Corp, 51 Jobs, and Bank Central Asia. They're fairly small, collectively making up only 2% of the strategy. 51 Job is a recruitment and human resources company in, in China, provides online recruitment for white-collar workers, and it also provides HR services to companies. So if you think about a company similar to Recruit Globally, combined with a company like Sage that does HR outsourcing for corporates, it's, it's kind of a combination of those two companies. The total addressable market for the company is incredibly large. Obviously, this is China. There's a very large number of companies, a very large number of employees. And so we, be- we believe the company still has a very long growth runway. It's extremely well run, and management own 25% of the business. And what we've seen is that the fears around a slowdown in the Chinese job market gave us an opportunity to establish a position at a very attractive price. Um, the shares already starting to deliver on our strategy and we've seen some nice upside coming from the position already. And then just considering that we have seen in our strategy, uh, but just also across the market, quite a strong performance year to date, how are we feeling about the asset class as a whole and I suppose in particular the holdings in, in, in our strategy going forward from here? Well, looking at the asset class, we believe that emerging markets actually still remain substantially undervalued. Aside from having lagged global equities over the last decade, the potential returns going forward are more linked to the market and the consolidation opportunities that are available in those markets. And what we see is that several of the the markets in which we are invested are actually coming out of a very tough economic environment still and show significant potential. Valuations have been tempered by trade wars and other geopolitical issues, and hopefully these will be addressed in the medium term and we can see some revaluation of some of the holdings that we have. 
Looking at the strategy, our weighted average upside to fair value is still around 35%, which we believe is quite compelling. Relative to history, the portfolio is actually comprised of much higher quality stocks than it has been in the past. And so we actually feel that that upside is quite attractive right now. Yeah. And I mean, just to, to clarify to, to listeners, that 35% upside is basically what we think our underlying stocks can deliver. And um, and given the fact that we've actually have very strong returns, and despite the fact that we actually have a lot of noise geopolitically coming out of emerging markets, with a lot of market commentators um, inferring that they're very risky and unlikely to see the returns, we don't believe that it, it negates all valuation opportunities that we are seeing in emerging market equities at the moment. Mm-hmm.